Good morning, everyone. So good to be able to welcome you again, uh, adding my voice to the other comments of welcome. And at this time as well, I want to just uh, greet, as Pastor Tyler did earlier, those joining us on live stream. So good to have you join us. And I especially think of uh, some of you who may be in a, a facility here in Pierce County. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here. So thank you for that. I'd love to have you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 9. Uh, we are following along under a heading here during Advent season, thinking about the gospel going to the ends of the earth, the word spreading. And in, in this text, uh, we, we join Jesus as he begins the walk toward Jerusalem, toward his his destiny, really, uh, coming to the place where he will die on the cross for our sins, and he is heading that way in today's text. And what I want to do this morning is, is kind of bridge the gap. We looked earlier uh, last Sunday at some of the earlier parts of the Gospel of Luke. Next Sunday, we're going to step into the book of Acts, and the week after that on a certain level as well. But there's a, there are three little vignettes here that that look with us at the at the life of Jesus as he walks toward the cross but i think they they resonate with us too they resonate with where we are how my heart beats during this time i have all this under the heading a savior who came to a busy world and um i i mean by that not only those who have a lot of activity going on um we either do or we don't uh, i think covid reset some of that for many people maybe a little less in terms of activity but at the same time uh, i am reminded of how many other things are going on in our minds. We may be busy uh, or less busy with our bodies going places, but our minds are very busy. There are people, uh, so many, who are facing challenges at this holiday season, illnesses and surgeries, uh, responding to to recent deaths, um, family crises of all sorts, uh, ups and downs of employment or lack thereof. So many things are going on for you. Two, maybe none of the things I just mentioned. And into this world of busy activity and busy minds, Jesus came. He became one of us. He entered our world. Uh, he didn't go to a, you know, some special island in the Caribbean. No, he, he came to a, a busy activity, people coming and going. And uh, I want to pray that God would help us in this text and uh, draw us to himself. So pray with me, please. Our Father, how good it is to open your word together. Uh, Here we find refreshment, uh, not simply because of a familiar rhythm, but because here we meet with you, the living God, the God who is. And today we get to think together about Jesus, our Savior, your Son, second person of the Trinity, who took on human form, human body, and, and walked in this world, loved people, touched so many, cared so deeply, and then went to a cross where he paid for our sin, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, coming again. And our Father, we, we remember him at this Christmas time. Advent season really is a preparing of our hearts and a celebrating of our hearts of Jesus. So help us as we seek to do that well this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. As we came to the book of Luke last week out of our regular preaching series on Isaiah, we touched on a number of places in the Gospel of Luke, including chapter 2. If you'll remember with me that that first telling of the story of Jesus, that night in which he was born, 
where, where the world was in chaos. It really was. I have a little paragraph here that says something about that under today's text. Boy, there's a census going on, and people are going back to their homes of origin. They're not happy about it. Travel isn't easy. There are no hotel sixes that leave the light on for you. Uh, travel industry was so difficult. It really was. Um, not the amenities you'd think of. Travel, uh, not, of course, in motorhomes and SUVs, but, but in much more rudimentary fashion. And that was the world into which Jesus came, a trough, a manger for a place to stay. Uh, his first night. Can you imagine? And here, here the Son of God arrives. Now, as you come to Luke chapter 9, I just want you to think with me about this. Luke, of course, uh, 24 chapters long, the longest gospel. And at this moment, chapter 9, verse 51, there's a big shift that takes place. The earlier portion is more about the beginnings of Jesus' life, of course, and uh, uh, miracles and things like that, establishing his identity. But starting here, at really a third of the way in the book, we're already heading toward Jerusalem. We're already setting our sights on Jesus walking toward the cross. His destiny, again, not simply to make the world a happier, better place and give good moral teaching, uh, really, but, but to be a savior for us, for you, to pay the price so that you could become a friend of God, be with him forever someday, and know his presence right now in your life. So starting right here, the work of redemption comes into focus much more clearly. And what I want to do, there's three, there are three stories, three vignettes, uh, two of them at the end of chapter 9, and then the first 24 verses of chapter 10. And I'm going to read those in, uh, just in, one at a time and make some comments, uh, brief, really. And we're, we're just wanting to get our arms around this work of Jesus and coming to a world where there's so much going on, including now in our life. So let's start with verse 51, chapter 9, as we hear God's word. We read this. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another, another village. Wow, okay, so what in the world is this about? Well, my Bible has a little heading there above it saying, a Samaritan village rejects Jesus. Well, I want to I think about this for just a couple of minutes with you. Um, first, a little lesson in geography, okay? If you've ever looked in the back of your Bible, you may, some of your Bibles have maps back there, okay? And if you do, you may have one that says, you know, like, Israel at the time of Christ. But I want to use Western Washington as a, as a bad example, okay? It sort of works, Western Washington, the Cascades to the ocean, Canada to, to Oregon, that space is, it's actually bigger than Israel, really. But if you can just think north to south, okay? If you go, uh, let's just say Bellingham, King County, and then Vancouver, all right? So if you think about this at the time of Jesus, Israel, you'd have, of course, still there. the Sea of Galilee would be up north, the Jordan River coming down, and then the Dead Sea down below. But you'll notice it goes uh, more of a Jewish area, then right smack dab in the middle, kind of like King County. <laughs> no offense, really. I love you all. It's kind of like the Samaritans, right in the middle. 
and then Judea down below. And the life of Jesus was lived, as you read the Gospels, some of it up in Galilee, Capernaum, uh, Sea of Galilee, fishing, boats, and so on, and some of it down in Judea. Jerusalem is down here, Bethlehem's down here. And this matters because uh, I mentioned right there in the middle are those rascally Samaritans. This is a racial issue. Interestingly, it touches on some of the things we've been talking about in the book of Isaiah, in our more regular study that we'll pick up after Christmas. Here's, here's why. Uh, in the earlier years, before Jesus, like, you know, 700 or so, something like that, 731, 722, the Assyrians came in and took that group, took the people, took them captive, and hauled a whole bunch of them away and brought in some other people, and a lot of racial mixing went on in that area called Samaria. So they were, they were half-breed Jewish people, some Jewish elements, but not full-blooded Jews, and the Jewish people never forgot it. And there was animosity between them, a racial divide, uh, not unlike what we experience, maybe even deeper, okay? Because there were, I mean... Uh, the good Jewish people, if they went through that area, they washed their hands afterwards. They, I mean, really seriously thought like Samaritan cooties. And here you have Jesus and his friends going from the north to the south. And often other people said, I just don't want to go through that. So they would like, they'd go across the Jordan River to the Decapolis and go around it. Can you imagine if you're going from Bellingham to Vancouver and you went via Yakima? People did it because they didn't want to go through King uh, Samaria, okay? <laughs> I'm getting myself in trouble here with all my King County friends. But it's a similar idea, you understand. I'm pressing on it to help us remember. And, and so Jesus, you know, it's quicker to just go straight. So he sends the guys ahead and says, find, you know, find a place for us to stay, preparations, food, you know, dinner on the table, place to stay. And the Samaritans wouldn't have it. We know who you are. You're a bunch of Jewish people going down to Jerusalem, and you can't stay here. So James and John, do you like these guys? They're going, okay, fire from heaven. I know how to fix this problem. We're just going to zap them, nuke them, done. Uh, fix them and repair them, talk them through this. No, 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 no. It's time for justice, baby. Some of us are wired that way. There are James and Johns among us that go by different names. But zap them, nuke them, just fix it now. Push the button. Uh, well, James and John, uh, elsewhere called the sons of thunder, thunderous men, and that's kind of why they were ready to you know, draw the sword. It's time for justice. Some of you are wired really about justice. And James and John were wired for justice. And they said, let's fix it right now. I know how to take care of this. Now, but here's the thing. Jesus, Jesus says, wrong time. This isn't the time for judgment. This is a time for redemption. He's heading to Jerusalem. Can you imagine the distraction if there was, there was smoke rising from Samaria behind him? Uh, this would really be a problem in his redemption plan. And that was the bigger work, was paying for our sin so that our hearts can be forgiven before God and we can be redeemed. That was a bigger work than fixing the broken world. That doesn't mean there's not a time for it, but it wasn't then. So I put all of that under the heading. It was time for redemption, not judgment. This calls to mind, by the way, my comments last week coming out of Luke chapter 4, where Jesus went uh, to the the synagogue in, in, in Nazareth and took the, ro- the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Remember this? And he read from Isaiah 61 a description of what was to be his work at that time. And he stopped mid-sentence, right before the sentence, and the day of vengeance of our God. That's where he quit, meaning it's not that time yet. 
It's not that time. Will there be a time for judgment on planet Earth? Well, yes, there will. You can't read 2 Peter 3 and miss it. So there's a time, and God knows what time that is. Some of us, again, are wired like James and John. We want to do it now. Um, Take care of things. Bring judgment. Fix it. Uh, we wax prophetic, so to speak, in longing for that. But, but Jesus, of course, even then in, in, in Luke chapter 4, as here, says, wrong time, wrong time, wrong time. This is a day of redemption. This is a day of redemption. So I, I think that's a, that's a good thing for us to think about as we, as we consider the work of Jesus at Christmas time. It's a day of redemption. It's a day to invite. It's a day to say, come, come to him. And by the way, I hope you've come, not only physically to this building, uh, the call in the Bible isn't come to church, though you should. It's come to Christ. And that'll probably land you here or some other good Bible preaching place. But the call is to come to a person, not an event. That person is Jesus. So I hope that you have come in that sense. Time for redemption, not judgment. I want to go to the next little vignette. Move fairly quickly as time pushes us along today. So Luke 9, starting verse 57 Watch these conversations and see how they may reflect your heart. God's word, again, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Doesn't that sound good? Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as, you, as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. Okay, what's going on here? I have it under the heading on your sermon notes, time to follow, not delay. Time to follow, not delay. Now, when you hear the word follow today, it it often comes in the social media context, doesn't it? We follow all kinds of people, but it has nothing to do with our approval of them, right? Yes, sometimes we should unfollow, perhaps, but sometimes we follow, and by follow, we don't mean, well, follow. We mean have a casual interest in or cyber stock, Honestly, yes, I'll follow him. Uh, I want to see what's going on. So we follow. We hit, well, when Jesus said, follow me, he wasn't meaning have a passing interest or come and be with me periodically whenever it works. He was meaning this in the sense of a, a student following a rabbi, which meant put it all down. No, come. We're walking now. So come. Are you coming? That's what he meant by Follow. It was an all-in proposition. It wasn't to think about it, you know, follow me three weeks later. I'm going to be in Galilee by then. See, so, so come, follow me. Now, there are conversations that take place here, and I think they need a little context. So the first one says, I'll follow you anywhere. Just, I'll take it. Jesus says to this person, uh, verse 58, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes we, we think of inviting people toward a life of, of following Jesus. And we're, we're eager to say, please, just sign up. Here, here, just sign up, sign up. And Jesus, in this sense, is saying, hey, well, hold on, hold on. Are you aware that the amenities not, might not be what you're used to? Uh, other 
you know, animals have places where they belong. And if you're going to follow me, it might not be what you thought. This might be a little harder than you think. It might be less comfortable than you think. I mean, are you aware? When you say, I want to, you know, I have decided to follow Jesus, do you know what you're signing up for? Sometimes in invitational settings, we hear people say, you know, come to Jesus. I mentioned, I think, last week, your life will be better. Well, actually, not always true. Not always true at all. If you come to Christ in some other settings where other religions have a foothold and your family finds out you are a follower of of Jesus, they may consider you dead to them. This may not go well in your family or close friends. So come to Jesus, your life will improve. Oh, don't bank on that. Maybe not at all. Come to Jesus to fix your marriage or your finances. Well, if things have gone poorly, you may still go bankrupt. And you look back and say, well, I thought, I thought Jesus was supposed to fix that. Oh, you did? No, what did you come expecting? So Jesus is not just looking for blind followers. He's saying, are you aware of what you're signing up for? Foxes have hold, birds of the air have nests. Uh, I don't have any place to sleep tonight, guaranteed. You want to come? So do you want to come? Uncertainties. What will that hold? What will tomorrow hold? What will it mean for me to be a follower of Jesus? What's that going to look like? What's the fine print? Interesting, as Jesus pushes back just a bit. Now, the second one says, to Jesus uh, invite, come follow me. He says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And important here to know that that phrase, go bury my father, does not at all mean his dad had just died and Jesus is telling him to skip the funeral. Not at all. That isn't it. Um, again, this is that uh, every language has conventions where phrases mean things and can be taken otherwise. Uh, in this case, let me first go bury my father does not mean his father has just died. Really, the idea is I need to stick around home until that time comes. It was a phrase you would use to say, later. Later when I've re- I picked up my inheritance. Later, later. Uh, let me first go and bury my father. I've got some, I've got some other things I've got to do. Is he guaranteed that future day? When you say I'm going to follow Jesus when my life improves or when I get a better handle on things, when I get rid of this or that, then I'll follow Jesus. Are you guaranteed of that day, that future day? No, you're not. And so Jesus says, okay, hold on. No, no. Follow me now. Don't wait to clean up your life. I'll help you with that. But come follow me. Well, I have these others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. No, follow me. He's calling us to follow. It's time to follow, not delay. Similarly, uh, in verse 61, yet another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but let me first say goodbye, say farewell to those at my house. This wouldn't be the idea. I'm going to go back and kiss my mom and off I go. No, this is like, I'll see you later. You know, I got to go home and say goodbye to people and finish things up. And, and Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of, kingdom of God. Now, are you coming or not? Are you coming? You're going to be a follower of Jesus? Are you going to think about it? How long are you going to think about it? What's in the way? Well, let's go. Now, I asked first hour, you know, there's a, a agricultural picture here, putting your hand to the plow. I asked how many people had ever literally put their hand to the plow. How many of you get this? Anybody here plowed? Um, okay, let's just say with the tractor, you've plowed. Perfect. Okay, that's about 
Ate more than first hour, one. Anybody here plowed with an animal? Really? Wow. Okay, if you're plowing, and I was told first hour, whether with an animal pulling, gee haw, left, right, exactly. Yeah, okay. What happens if you keep turning around? Yeah, you're not going to plow a straight line. I hear that that's important in farming. I was also told that if you do that with a tractor, you don't go straight. This is my comments in other settings about driving and why people hit parked fire trucks on the side of the road. No, they do. They run into police cars with their lights on and go, man, how did that happen? It's because, same story, whatever you're looking at is where you're going to tend to go. And if you're staring at the bright lights going, wow, look at that, Merry Christmas, bam, you're in the back end of a fire truck. Uh, or your furrow is, is crooked. Or to use a better, anal- uh, more familiar cultural analogy since we don't plow things, all of us drive, most of us, uh, if you drive and you keep staring in the rearview mirror, before long you're going to hit something you didn't intend. You have to drive looking out the windshield, uh, periodically looking in the rearview mirror. Sometimes you've got to pay attention that there's no flashing lights back there. Or, uh, but you've got to spend more of your time looking out the windshield. You, you can't go forward looking back. Isn't that interesting? So Jesus, perhaps by this analogy, is talking to this person who says, let me first say goodbye to everybody who knows me and loves me. And Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? I know you've got to think forward, and I'm moving forward. And come with me. Are you coming? Are you coming? It's time to follow, not delay. And there are a couple of other little stories I just want to remind you of that, that, that kind of say a similar thing. How does Jesus respond when others walked away? You remember John 6? It's that long story of Jesus giving this big old sermon, and he's got a lot of people there. And he talks about being the bread who came down from heaven. And he, he draws on the, the familiar Old Testament story of manna, how God fed the people in the desert. And he said, that's me. Your, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died, but I'm the bread who's come down from heaven. And then he says those uh, very strange words, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood and people went, oh my goodness, that sounds really creepy and weird. And it says in John 6, 66, many, many of those who had been following him left. And what does Jesus say? He looks at those who are still left and says, are you guys going to go too? Are you guys getting off the bus? Bus is parked. Are you getting off? Or are you staying? Very intriguing that he doesn't chase down the road after the people who are leaving and say, oh, you can't. You can't go. Well, they can. They can. And so those who are leaving, he, he doesn't chase. Now, I'm not meaning that in a church sense, like there's a time to say, hey, you okay? I mean that, the lack of care. I'm just meaning that Jesus doesn't coerce, force you. He says, follow me. It's a, I've mentioned before, it's an invitation and it's a command, a command from heaven, follow me. There are both of those elements, I think, in different texts of the gospel call. But Jesus, interesting, interesting. Are you going to leave too? Are you going to leave as soon as somebody in a church says something stupid to you? Are you going to leave too? Are you going to leave when some pastor does something unthinkable? Are you? Are you going to leave too? Are you going to leave when people disappoint you and churches aren't full of unity? And are you going to leave too? Isn't that interesting? Wow, are you going to follow me? 
Are you going to follow me? Wow. Wow. Time for redemption, not judgment. Time to follow, not delay. More about the excuses later. Now, the second little story I remind you of, I'm asking you to remember the nostalgia of the people of Israel in the desert when they thought of Egypt. Very, very interesting. Numbers 11, Numbers 14. The children of Israel heading toward the promised land. You remember this? They had been in Egypt. They had been, what is it? Slaves in Egypt. This wasn't nice. And God delivered them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, the text says. You know, uh, out across the Red Sea, Mount Sinai, giving of the law, and here you go toward the promised land and all the detours involved. But along the way, believe it or not, as God provides for them daily, manna to eat, boil it, fry it, bake it, boil it, fry it, bake it. Uh, there were some people in the desert who said, you know, Egypt was so good. We ate so much better. Remember the garlics and the leeks and the onions? And here we just have this, 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 this manna. Insert here the phrase, God's provision for the day. All we have is what God has provided today, and it doesn't meet standard. I was expecting something better from God. I know he's delivering us and all of that, but I thought that the journey would be attended with a better menu. And we are like this, aren't we? I am being delivered. I've been delivered from Egypt. God, you are delivering me. I'm headed to the promised land. And sometimes I complain about the amenities. Yeah, too many of those. Right. Come on now. Manna again. What's for dinner? Well, you know. Wow. Think of how easy that was for menu planning, though. I mean, if you just go boil, baked, or fried, and you're done. Uh, pour some milk on that in the morning. Oh. But the people got nostalgic. Then this following, this business of following you toward the promised land, it it isn't all that I thought it would be. I thought it would be, you know, a little nicer. I thought I'd have better health. I didn't think I'd be left alone. I thought I'd have more money. I just thought it would be different. Jesus says, are you coming? Are you still coming? Are you still following me? Savior came to a busy world. He did. Uh, chapter 10, verses 1 to 24. Third little story. I'm going to read the whole 24 verses. Otherwise, you, you will miss it. My comments will be brief, but the reading of it, I think, is, is helpful to us. So chapter 10, then, verses 1 to 24, God's word again. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Boy, think about our theme, the gospel to the ends of the earth. There it is. Go your way, Jesus says to them, verse three. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money, no knapsack, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day 
that day, that day of judgment, for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades, or the grave. The one who hears you, hears me. The one who rejects you, rejects me. The one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows who the Father is except the Son, who the Father, sorry, who the Son is except the Father, who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Okay, interesting story. And of course, on we go into other wonderful tellings of the story of Jesus' life. But I I call this um, time to believe, not doubt. Time to believe, not doubt. Jesus organizes a short-term mission trip. I mean, really, that's what it is. We didn't make these things up here in our century. No, no, no. It was kind of like that. Jesus appoints 72. You're aware, of course, that the 12 who followed Jesus were a smaller subset of a larger group, right? He called those 12 to be with him in a special way, to walk with him. Now, there were others who would be in that category of followers of Jesus. And he puts together 72 of them, sends them out. And I I mentioned here, this is a trip marked by urgency and self-denial. So if you read this and say, man, you're not even supposed to say hi to people on the road. Yeah, you're in a hurry. Go, go now. You're, You're not stopping to say, well, isn't it a beautiful day, Mrs. Jones? Wrong day. No, urgency and self-denial. Don't take a whole backpack full of stuff. You know what would happen if he said to them, you're going on this trip, go get supplies and come back? Let me tell you, there wouldn't have been 72 people go out any day soon. They would have had wagons and carts and oxen, and and it's wrong day, wrong day for that. Go now, urgency. You don't need what you think you needed, right? So, So come on. Let's go. Now, I mentioned quickly, of course, not all trips have the same traveling rules. Uh, Comment here about how you read and study the Bible. We always want to read context. Some people look at this and go, whoa, handling snakes and scorpions. (laughs) Yes. Or no. Uh, These are the the instructions for this trip. That doesn't mean for all types of trips hereafter or your life necessarily. And I give you another reference, chapter 22, where Jesus refers back to this and says, remember that? how I sent you out that way with those rules. Now, for this day, there are some different rules. So this is describing one setting, not prescribing for all time. So don't worry about the snake handling part, okay? Uh, Let it go. And if you have a snake at your house, never mind. Some people have snakes as pets. I just don't get it. Well... 
Time to believe, not doubt. Now, these people are out announcing God's kingdom coming close in the person of Jesus. And I'm so fascinated by verses 17 to 20, where they come back and they are excited about the wrong thing, right? They're excited because of the cool special effects. It's like going to a movie and say, wow, I don't know what the story was about, but the special effects were cool. And I I think they knew what the story was about, but they, they were really captured by the special effects. This is amazing. Look at the power of this. Then Jesus says to them, you're excited about the wrong thing. Do you know how amazing it is that your name is written in heaven? That's more important than any handling of a snake or a scorpion. It's more, more amazing than calling the dead to life and somebody who's lame giving them ability to walk again. No, it's more amazing than that, that your name is written in heaven. I mean, look at you, sinner and all, forgiven by God. So if you want to be amazed, be amazed at that. That's, that's, that's a miracle of world-class sorts, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Wow, I love, I love verse 21. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've hidden these things from the wise and understanding, the people who all think they got it figured out. You revealed them to humble people. It's not just young is the idea. Little children, those who just come and take God at his word and say, I believe it. I just, I believe it. I believe it. This was your gracious will. And ditto, verse 24. Here it is again. Uh, Jesus says to them, many prophets and kings have longed to be where you are, to see Messiah. Here he is in the flesh. Hundreds of years, thousands of years looking forward to this day. And here you are, God's Messiah. And, And people have longed for this day. And you're here, he says to them those immediate people in his presence, you're seeing the unfolding of God's plan in a way that others have longed to see. Be amazed. Be amazed at what God was doing in the person of Jesus. Wow. So fascinating that this mission trip is not attended by crowds and crowds of people all coming to see Jesus. We're not told of that anywhere, at least. Where are all the Jewish people who who knew what the prophets said and believed them? Where are they? Well, some were too busy. Some were elsewhere. Some were taking care of things at home. Not all came. I want you to think with me about uh, to this latter section called responding to God's word. There's a, a, a parable that Jesus told just a couple chapters ago here in Luke and elsewhere in other gospels called the parable of the soils. Remember, he describes four parable, four types of soil in the parables and this, the seed falling on all of them. And he mentions one of them where the, 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 the growth of the, the crop is choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. Isn't that interesting? The cares and riches and pleasures of life can choke gospel growth. I wonder that about you or me. Could that describe any of us? That gospel growth is choked by the cares and riches or lack thereof and the wishing I had them and the pleasures of life, wanting more of it. Could, could those things choke gospel growth? And they could. They could. They could choke gospel growth in our lives, my life, yours. I wonder if that describes you. Similarly, we read the excuses given. Um, As Jesus responds, the amenities may not be what you like. The the journey may look different than you hope. 
You may think that the walk toward heaven should be a little more fun, have better food. Uh, Are any of those excuses, things that would come from your mind to say, you know, one of these days, I've heard it before, maybe said it. One of these days, I will get that squared away. But not until this. I've got some other stuff to do. Then I will. Then I will. And Jesus says to all these, no, it's a time for redemption. It's a time to follow. It's time to believe. It's time to do that now. Busy, busy, busy world. Well, we are going to think about this further as we celebrate communion this morning. That little cracker and cup of juice that Jesus said, do this until the day that you see me again. As you think about putting your Bible away, you might keep it open to John 17. I'm going to read just a verse or two in a few minutes there and talk to us about that. So John 17 is where I'll be in a minute. But I want to pray that God would help us in these moments to think well, to think clearly, to reflect deeply on this business of responding to Christ in a busy world. But I want to pray if you join me in this. Father, thank you so much for the three stories that we've looked at and the challenge that rises from them. Christ coming to a busy world, so busy that there's in the midst of racial conflict and busy people, busy lives and other problems and missed expectations. Somehow or another, the crowds weren't coming. Oh, Father, may we not be among those who don't come We want to be among those who say, yes, I will follow you wherever you go. I'll follow you if the amenities aren't what I would like. I'll follow you if the journey's harder. But by your grace and in your strength, I will. I'm coming. Father, would that be by your work in us, our response? Thank you for these moments to think about the work of Christ on the cross. Help us as we do that in Jesus' name. Amen. As always, if you know Christ is your Savior, we invite you to share with us in remembering his death and resurrection. And we have three communion stations. You'll want to take both little cups, the crackers in the bottom, the juices on the top. And I'll invite you to come to whichever station is closer. Usually for the middle, that's down the middle this way. On the sides, it's usually up the aisle this way. And these are the two return uh, shoots. Um, That'll help you know which way to go. You can serve uh, others in your family if you want to grab something for them or anybody near you who is mobility impaired would appreciate your serving them as well. But I'll invite you to come and then I'll say just a couple words and together we'll remember Christ. So come. John 17 is the prayer that Jesus prayed before he went to the cross. We often call it his high priestly prayer. And he prays many things. And I want to touch on just a couple of those verses that take us in the same direction. And I'm in John 17, middle of verse 11, where he says, Holy Father, keep them, that is his followers, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. And then, likewise, 
over in verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one so that the world may believe that you've sent me. Clearly, unity is a big deal in this prayer. Unity does not mean sameness. We aren't the same, are we? We're different in a lot of ways. Our unity in a in church is not based on us all being the same. It's based on Christ, who is the source of our unity. Now, even as that little cracker in your hands is very concrete, you can touch it, it's tangible, I want to be concrete too. So may I say just a couple of things about this practice of unity all surrounding Jesus. Um, In this next month, a couple of new opportunities will come our way and have been as a church family. We've navigated the last year and a half well because we have allowed space in our congregation for people who think differently on all the elements around us. There are people who love masks and people who wouldn't wear one uh, no matter what happened and feel strongly about those things. Others who wear them everywhere, that's fine. We have people who are are vaccinated, -vaccinated, non-vaccinated, anti-vaccine mandate, uh, conspiracy theorists, okay, okay, I'll stop. And you probably have an article to back up your position, maybe many of them. Now, think with me. In the next month, we will have many guests join us who probably will think different than you about something. It's time to remind us again in the exercise of unity to be kind to people who may think different than you. Do not offer to send them an article that you love. Just don't. Oh, I, 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 just, just don't. It is not helpful. Unhelpful. Uh, If you are not a mask wearer and someone else is, don't try to be funny and say, I can't see your face. They know that. Don't do that. Sometimes people try to be funny or cute. Just let it go. Also, uh, over the past year, year and a half, we've had a number of people who've joined us online only. And some of them are starting to come back. And may I just say the last thing in the world you need to say is, and where have you been? Just don't. Not many have, but some have. And so I remind us again in the practice of unity, just say, welcome. Good to see you. Don't remind them that, that all the things about church that they're just, 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 I know you're trying to be helpful. So anyway, I hear back from people sometimes like, wow, that was really uncomfortable. I just don't want to do that. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Welcome. Glad you're here. Jesus died so that we would be one in his body. Think alike? Oh, probably not. One in him. Let's keep that our source of unity. We remember Christ together. Even as that little cracker points us to the body of Christ broken for us, so the little cup of juice points us to his blood shed for us that we can be forgiven. Let's remember him together. And I would like to pray for us as we head out. Would you stand with me, please, as we do that?
Our Father, I thank you for each person who is here. I thank you as well for each person who's joined us online this morning. We come to this moment with a lot of different thoughts and backgrounds. Some of us having heard sermons and been in church for years and years, and others of us less so. Some of us believing deeply, deeply convicted about the truth of the Word of God, and others thinking about it or not sure. I so thank you that we could be together for this hour. And we so trust the Spirit of God to take the Word of God and accomplish your purpose in each of us. So thank you that we get to welcome people as we join together before you. As we walk this week, our Father, help us to let the light of Christ so shine through us that people would see the reality of Jesus in our lives and bring glory to you in heaven. May that be true of us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go. Have a good week.